Welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. Hey, man, and amen. So glad to hear to be here. Don't we have some good-looking people recording our church videos? So amazing. Shout out to everyone watching online. I swear to you, uh, uh, in person it's a lot better, and the cameras add like 20 pounds. So it is true what they say. So excited to be here. My name is Juan. Uh, uh, I'm the youth and young adult director here at Life and a privilege to serve these communities. And I don't mind repeating myself and mentioning that if you're middle school, high school, college, young adult, and the reason you're here is because you want to get closer to God and you want to know the Lord more and you want to straighten your path and you're trying to do that alone, it's going to be hard. But if you do that in community, this is why we have youth group, why we have young adults. Because we want you to grow in community, to have other people around you that would pray with you, pray for you, that will help you carry your burdens, celebrate your victories, cry your defeats, understand that you have a family. Not just the youth and the young adults, but the whole church. Listen, that's the reason why we have teams that serve. That's the reason why we have growth track. That's the reason why we have connect groups. So that you understand that you weren't meant to do this Christian walk alone. Because if you do it alone, it is going to be hard. If you do it alone, it is going to be complicated. That's why even from Genesis, we understand that as a passage for marriage. But we believe also that, that God, when he saw man, he said, it's not good for men to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. And uh, just so privileged to be here. I want to honor Pastor Rich and Janet for the leadership, their love. Amen. We love them. Thank them so much for, for, their, for their obedience to the Lord here in Homestead. Today... Uh, I was reminded of a prayer I heard somebody make, and this person said, I pray with my eyes open to see the victims of injustice. And at first when I heard that, I'm like, mm, this guy's so reverent and, and so weird because actually we close our eyes because we want to be reverent, we want to connect with the Lord, and we want to speak to him. But then it just clicked on me what he said. I pray with my eyes open to see the victims of, the victims of injustice. And the thing is, with the craziness going on in our world today, and a lot of us may blame this generation and say, oh, it's Gen Z, it's, it's the, the millennials. But in reality, if I see the agenda that the world is pushing, the society, the government is trying to pass and the things, and we, I see government, I could see millennials and Gen Z lobbying and protesting, but I also see a lot of gray hair in Congress and trying to pass evil laws and this things going on. And it's not just this current generation, but it's the spirit of this era, it's the spirit of this whole living generation trying to go against what the Word of God says. And I see a church that stands up and says, I still believe that the Word of God is true. I would stand up in the midst of all this craziness and declare that He is my firm foundation and I will not be moved. I wonder if that's you today. That we could still stand today and declare Jesus is Lord. And with love and grace understand that there is no other way, that there is no other truth, there is no other life but through Jesus Christ. And so today I want to share with you a, a message I titled Signs of Change. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them Signs of Change. Have you ever met a, a woman recently found out that she was pregnant and I don't know where she's three weeks pregnant and she's already walking like this. Or she's buying extra baggy clothes because she's already feeling the change. She's seeing the signs of change. Have you ever met that crazy person? Or it's probably you. That a person goes outside and, and they do this. 
It smells like it's going to rain. I'm like, what? And it ends up raining, which is the craziest thing. Because they see the signs that something's about to happen. Something's about to change. A lot of you have probably given up on relationships because you did not see signs of change. And when you look at Scripture, you look at the division between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew, there's something that theologians uh, have called the 400 silent years. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years where God did not raise a man, where God did not, did not bring a prophet, where God did not speak. And these are known, the 400 silent years between the prophet Malachi and John the Baptist, who's the first person that gets on the picture and speaks for God. I don't know if anyone has ever seen the, the series The Chosen, uh, but me and my wife started watching it recently. And, and, and there's a part where, where the kids are coming to Jesus and this girl asks Jesus, Jesus, who, what are, are you a prophet? And then her friend tells her, no. Actually, Rabbi Josiah told us that there, that there are no prophets. And so the, the, the people of God, that they had been accustomed to 400 years of not hearing the word of God, of no prophet of God speaking for God, this silent time. And it's interesting that John the Baptist shows up in the scene and the first word from God is repent. In 400 years, the first word that we see in the Gospels is repent. And I want to take you to Matthew chapter 3. Verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. And his message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. When you read in the gospel, you hear the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, this word repent means change your mind, change, turn around and change your direction. God is speaking to his people once again. And we see this amazing story of the gospel about to be unfolded. But the first word that God says is repent of your sins and turn to God. Now, verse 3 says, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is the voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. If there's someone today that it's in this place and, and you say, Juan, I don't really know what my God-given purpose is. I don't know what my calling, I, I, I got saved and I want to serve the Lord, but I'm really just a doctor. I'm really an engineer and this is, and I love my career, but... I feel like there's something more. Maybe you just work at an office, 9 to 5, and you say, I feel like God has called me for something greater. Well, I'm going to tell you two things. First, your calling is to go and make disciples. That's your commission. Everybody in here, uh, your calling is to go and make disciples of all nations. But now number two, if you still feel like, man, what should I do with my life? You should take up John the Baptist's ministry and prepare the way for people to come and meet Jesus. Is there anybody here who would say, man, I want to prepare the way for my family to come and know Jesus. I want to prepare the way so that my coworkers can come and meet Jesus. What does it look like to prepare the way? Well, I'm going to speak about it in the next couple of minutes about how your life is a message. And what is that message that you're portraying to the world? What is your message speaking to the world? Verse 4 says, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. 
And my picture of John the Baptist is this, this rude guy with a long beard and fearless. And there's another version that says that John the Baptist rode Harleys and listened to Striper. And his grandparents were Cuban, so his name was actually Juan el Bautista. I'll, I'll let you know which version of the Bible that is. But I have this concept of this man who stood up in the wilderness preaching the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The way in the life. I don't know if anybody here has a calling to preach, to teach, a ministry. But listen, if, if the church breaks down today and, and burns and we don't have the lights and the worship and the cool stuff, people are still going to show up into this place because we're preaching the truth. The truth draws people to himself, meaning Jesus draws people to himself. And we'll never shy away from it. And you hear from the stage, we preach the truth because we love you. And I believe that there's a world out there that's tired of sugarcoating things and tired of hidden messages. But we need to hear the truth that will penetrate our hearts and change our lives forever. That would confront our sin and make us realize that this is a wake-up call. That the Lord is gracious and merciful. That he sends people to warn us and let us know, repent and turn to the Lord. Verse 5 says, people from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. I'm so glad that today we're having baptisms, a bunch of people getting baptized, declaring new life in Jesus. Now, the people of God, the, the Israelites, they knew what this concept of baptism is. If we go to the Old Testament, when women had their period, they would go down to the river and they were cleansed. They were, the word baptism means being submerged in the water. They knew this concept of being submerged in order to be cleansed. And now in Jesus, we are baptized into his death and we come alive with him as well. We are, the, book, the book of Galatians says, the Colossians says that we are buried with him, but we are also raised with him. We're declaring publicly, I have decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. Now verse 7 says, but when they saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes. I'm sorry, I got to make the accent. But he said, you brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Now pay attention because it's not new believers. It's, it wasn't the people getting baptized. But it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were known to be the religious people of the time. Who came up to watch. And John the Baptist says, you brood of snakes. And you see, a lot of times we, we give a bad rep to the, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And yes, I get that. And that's the first vertical spirit and being religious. But if I really think about it, if I see someone who's legalistic, who's religious, it's someone who's really trying to build walls around so the relationship with God can grow. If I really think about someone who's religious and legalistic, it's people who are saying, man, uh, the movies are from the devil, so I'm not going to watch movies because I want to get closer to God. So there's, there's, there's some good, and I want to talk about creating systems later, but there's some good in when you build walls so that you don't let sin enter your life. But what's wrong about legalism and religiousness is when you try to impose that into other people. I could say, man, uh, I'm never going to watch secular music, any type of, not even instrumental music, if it doesn't worship Jesus. Because I want everything that I hear glorified the Lord, and that's awesome. But the moment I start telling you, you can't even played the happy birthday song because that's sin, then that's a religious spirit. 
And verse 8, this is where I want to preach out of today. He says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. Another version says, give fruits worthy of repentance. A lot of people get frustrated in the walk with the Lord because they keep falling with the same sin. A lot of people actually come with tears before God and say, God, am I really? And they start questioning their salvation. God, am I really saved because I keep falling in sin? And a lot of people, when we make the calling for salvation, raise up their hand time and time again because they don't understand what's going on. Am I really falling with the same stone? Am I really falling in sin? And let me tell you something. The same way that repentance is a fruit, if I want to plant a tree of mangoes, of avocados, what do I need? I need the seeds. I need good soil. I need to water. I need to take care of it. The same way that repentance is a fruit, what do you need in order to, to give the fruit of repentance? You need to pray. You need to come to church. You need to be surrounded by community. You need to fast. There's some sin in your life, man, that you need to pray and fast in order to, to denounce that, to be free from those things. The same way that repentance is a fruit that takes time. And as I see this room, I see people from different walks in life, different journeys with Jesus. And it's okay. Some of you might have known the Lord for more years than others. And it's okay. But you see, your walk with the Lord is not a walk of perfection. It's a walk of progression. And so, the same way that repentance is a fruit, the sin in your life is the result of many years of walking away from the Lord, many years of rebellion, many years of disobedience. And so you live the whole life away from Jesus and you come to the Lord and you cannot come with the same mindset. There needs to be a turnaround. There needs to be a change of mind. There needs to be repentance. You come to Jesus and you have this sin that, has, that have become strongholds in your life, habits how do you defeat those? Well, I just said it again. With worship, with prayer, with fasting. But also, you need to create systems in your life. I preached a while ago that, man, if you're having problems watching pornography on your phone, throw away your phone and buy a flip phone. If you have, come on, if you're going to praise God, do it loudly. Hallelujah! Listen, if you have problems of, of lust and cheating and slipping around, why are you buying chicken wings at the strip club? If you have problems with drinking and alcohol, why are you watching the game at the bar? We got to be intentional about quitting our old sinful habits. If you're falling with the same stone, why are you walking into the enemy's territory where he could easily just throw you down? And this is why we got to be intentional, create these systems in which, and then this is why we have church, man. You can be accountable to someone. And you can call someone up and it's like, man, I really want to buy some weed right now. What should I do? Yeah, we make the excuse, no, I need it for my anxiety to sleep. No, you need the Holy Spirit, a change of mind. I was talking to a father the other day. Trying to excuse, and then I, I don't know why I always pick on this, and it's probably the Lord speaking, but he was trying to excuse his use of marijuana. And I told him, listen, I don't know how much weed costs, but if you calculate how much you've spent this year alone buying weed and realize that you could have taken your family on a Disney trip with that money, I hope that saddens your heart because you're throwing away that money. 
where you could have built experiences with your kids. That was a good conversation. A.W. Tozer said this, repentance isn't only sorrow for past sins, it's also determination to now do the will of God as he reveals it to us. Be intentional about quitting your sinful old habits. Now, 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for, it will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16 as well says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So there's a key component here in the confession of our sins. And maybe some of you come from a Catholic background and you think kind of weirded out and going to a priest and telling them all your old dirty secrets. Material two things. The first you confess your sins is to the Lord. We confess our sins to God daily. Sometimes, listen, I find myself making, doing prayers like, God, I'm sorry for the sins that I made, that I know, that I don't know of, that were intentional sins, unintentional sins, things of omission. God, just forgive me whether I knew that I sinned or not. Because I want to stand pure and blameless before the Lord. Because I want to have a repentant heart before him every single day that I come into his presence. I come saying, Lord, I'm sorry because I know I messed up. I'm sorry because I know that I need you today. Now, there's a special thing in confessing our sins. Also, man, we, we need people in our life, mentors, pastors, our pastor to, to be able to come off clean and say, be accountable. Now, listen, pastor, I'm struggling with this. And that's where you, the process of your healing starts. Confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. Now, the key, the result, the power is not so much in the confession. Because if in order to be forgiven, we needed to confess every single sin that we made, then we'll be lost. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I'm trying to remember everything that I've done wrong is hard. But the key, the result, the power in the confession is not so much the fact that I'm confessing, but the fact of the work of Jesus at the cross is what now forgives me and accepts me from this sin. The fact that I'm able to, to strip away from my dirty, sinful clothes and now I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. The one who lived the perfect life that I can never live and died the death that I deserved so that I can now be called the son and daughter of God. <clears throat> Prove by the way you live. Now, this is where your walk with the Lord may seem like a burden and not like a joy because you need to understand this is that your salvation is not based on the things that you do for God but based on what God has already done for you and your faith and trust in the work of the cross. A lot of times we think that doing, doing, serving, serving, giving, giving things to God is going to fix our problems but in reality it's our faith in Jesus that saves us. It makes me remember the man, the thief at the cross. The thief of the cross who did not get to show fruits of repentance, who did not get to sign up to a connect group, who did not get to get baptized, who did not get to show his friends that he had a, a changed heart, but he believed. And Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise with me. If you could just have faith in God today, and I assure you whether you leave this room and die tonight, today you will be in paradise with him. Now I have... It, may be, it might be bad news to some, but good news to most is that you're not the man at the cross. 
So you're still alive today. So you can still sign up to the connect group. Sign up to get baptized. Show your fruits of repentance. And prove by the way you live that you've decided to follow Jesus. Prove by the way you live. Jesus on Matthew 5.16, he says this. Let your light shine before men. He's talking to his people about being the salt and the light of the earth. Thank you so much. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So actually the reason we should show fruits of repentance, the reason our lives should change, the reason we should have good works is not so that I could show off before people. You see, I don't need to change to prove myself to people. I need to change to prove myself to God. I need to change so my good works give glory to God. I need to change so that when people see my life, they say something is different about Juan. They say something is different about him. He's not the same cursing, the, the same blasphemer, the same uh, womanizer. He's not the same man. He's been changed by something, and I need to know what that something is. And hello, let me kind of talk to you about Jesus today. My Lord and Savior who has changed my life forever. And I've repented from all of my past life and I denounce it and I, and I hate it and I don't want it anymore. He's given me a new life. Do you want to know about him? The way you live will either draw people to Jesus or away from him. You see, David said in Psalm 1914... May the words of my mouth and the what? Be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Now Paul, hundreds of years later, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has raised from the dead, you will be saved. You see that connection there? And in fact, that's what we struggle the most, what we confess with our mouth and what we believe in our hearts. And I believe that the Lord's speaking today. You need to fix that because what you believe in your heart and what you confess with your mouth needs to be the same thing. God said, my people worship me with their lips, but their hearts is far away from me. Do you see the connection again? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh Lord. I want my life to be pure and, and pleasing before you. Following Jesus is not about coming to church on a Sunday morning for an hour. Following, following Jesus is also your Monday morning and your Friday night. Following Jesus is not just giving God an hour and 20 bucks and an offering, but it's every single area of your life. God, how could I please you today? Would you wake up tomorrow and before you get dressed, say, God, how would you want me to dress today? I'm being serious. God, how could I honor you with my, the way I dress? God, how could I honor, honor you with the things I post online? You see, I used to find myself praying so much about me. God, give me. God, forgive me. Praying about the problems that I got myself into and asking for forgiveness. God, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, help, help, help. God, give me this. God, give me that. And I said, no, I got to be like King Solomon and start praying for wisdom. God told him, what do you want? And he said, wisdom. And I started praying for wisdom. But you see, a lot of you, before you start praying for wisdom, you, you got to start asking God for common sense. And start praying for common sense. Because there's no way that we could be here today and then throwing middle fingers in our social media later. 
and then showing the club and showing the party and showing the drinks. I tell this to the youth all the time and the young adults, what's the big flex about posting a cigar and posting your drinks on social media? Who are you trying to portray? What message are you trying to show the world? It's even in the smallest things like social media where I want to say, God, I want to please you with everything that I am. God, I want to give you glory with everything that I do. Second Corinthians 5.15 says this. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Sometimes I, I guess one of the hardest things in, in walking with Jesus is letting go of pride. It's letting go of myself. Man, don't we all want the house, the boat, the the dogs and the bank account and the shoes and the designer clothes and but man when I can truly examine my heart David said Lord search my heart examine my heart I say God forgive me of my sins I repent I want to do your will you start realizing that the things of this world that they could break they could steal them you can lose them but this faith in Jesus will give you the strength to get through anything in life. And so, a lot of times, this message is really about repentance and spiritual growth. And we think that spiritual growth, it's like, man, I've been going to church for two years now and I started tithing. This is amazing. And sign up to Connect Group. That's awesome. And actually, Pastor Juan just shared that Bible verse. And I know what it means in Greek and Hebrew. And, and oh man, like, I just... I started speaking in tongues the other day. And I feel like everybody should speak in tongues if they're filled with the Spirit of God. I don't understand. And, man, I just saw this guy come to church. But last night he was at the strip club. What is he doing here? And How do you know he was at the strip club? Well, I was there. Why? They have awesome chicken wings. And we're starting. I mean, this heart of judgment. And, well, Pastor Juan could have used these other verses as well. And let me tell you something. How many of you guys love Pastor Rich? <laughs> let me tell you this with a loving heart. If you ever want to be a critic, tell the Lord, Lord, search my heart. And know this. Writing 60 sermons a year, over 60 sermons, preaching the word is not just quoting scripture. But it being the application of the word. And if you ever want to start being a critic and, and saying things about any preacher here on this stage, then search your heart and say, God, uh, have, you, have you given me a ministry? Do I have disciples? Is there any fruit of my ministry? Uh, why did you give me the platform that you gave me and then you gave them another platform? Search your heart and, and just you'll find out the answer right there. And so we think that our spiritual growth looks like a ladder and we're actually above others. But when I read the word that tells me, love your haters and pray those who persecute you. And if they hit you in one cheek, turn the other one. I learned something and it's this. is that the way up is down. And in fact, it's not going up the ladder. But it's when I kick it on my knees. And I don't need to know my neighbor. I don't need to agree with everything that he, that he believes. I don't need to like him. But I love him. I love him with the love that Jesus commanded me to, to, to love him with. And we don't need to vote for the same person and be the same party, but I love him because Jesus called me to love. 
And how do I show that love? I'm going to serve them. And I was going to wash his feet, but for time purposes, I'm going to clean his shoes. And I'm going to serve him because that's what Jesus would do. And listen, the Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Being humble is not being humiliated. Being humble is taking the place of Jesus and saying, I'm going to serve the people of my city so there could be a change. Listen, revival doesn't start when something great happens here. Revival starts when what you receive here, you take it out to the streets and you say, listen, I hate my boss and he doesn't like me. But you know what? I'm going to start loving him and bringing him lunch every morning, every, every afternoon. And he's going to notice that. Why is this guy bringing me lunch? Well, there's the love of Jesus inside of him. We will not change this city if we don't change our hearts. And that's called repentance. Now, repentance is really a lifelong turning away from sin and a turning to follow after Jesus. You know what's a sign of change? Is when repentance doesn't feel like a sad day because you've given up sin. A sign of changing your life is not when like, man, I couldn't, I couldn't go play with the homies today. I couldn't go drink with the homies. I'm so sad because uh, that's not my life anymore. No, I'm so glad that God changed my group of friends that were making me spend my money in alcohol and all those, all those, man, I'm so glad I have new friends. I'm so glad that my life is changing around. Because you see, Paul said in Romans 2, 4, don't you see how wonderful, wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Another version said, it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. And Tim Keller, a great pastor and author, he said, fear-based repentance makes us hate ourselves. Makes us feel like, like a burden. And I'm so afraid of hell. But joy-based repentance makes us hate this sin. And you see, when you realize the goodness of God, his faithfulness, he's a provider He's been so good my whole life. Whatever correction that I've felt like judgment or punishment, it's actually good for me. And I start drawing closer to Jesus. I understand that his goodness is what made me turn away from my sin. I don't know about you, but we need to be a people that is constantly confessing their sin. And realizing that, man, I hate that old life. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life that you've given me. Thank you, Jesus, for this path in which you've put me on. Now, right there where you are, if you could just close your eyes and we're going to stand up for the unjust, but you need to close your eyes right now. Just think about this word. Let me tell you something. If, if you've received Jesus in your heart and you sin and you fall, you don't need to do the prayer again. You don't need to raise your hand again. Just live that life of confession. Make those systems. Be intentional about quitting those habits. But if you're in this place today and you say, Juan, I've never really received Jesus in my heart. I've never really confessed him as my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. And you can lift up your hand right there where you are. And I see your hand. You can put your hand down. I see your hand. I see your hand. And we do this as an act of faith. And if the whole church wants to pray with me, we're going to say, Father God, we repent from our sin. We turn to you today. Help us walk this narrow road. We need you now more than ever. Holy Spirit, help me. Make it personal. Holy Spirit, help me. Now let me pray for you. Father God, we're so grateful to be in this place. 
We may ask, Lord, why don't you worry about the kids in Africa and the stars of the universe? Why do you have to worry about myself and my sin and my problems? Well, it's because you are a personal God and you know us by name. So today, Lord, we come with a heart of repentance, understanding that it is your goodness that makes us want to change, that makes us want to turn, that makes us want to come to you. So we ask you, Lord, bring us with strings of love. Bring us closer to you now more than ever. In the craziest of time, Lord, we declare that a revival will come out. In the craziest of time, we believe that, that the youth will rise up and will not go uh, with the current, but that will stand up against the current. And families will be firm. Families will be established. And what the enemy wants to destroy will actually multiply and grow in numbers. We thank you, Lord, because you're so good. And if you love Jesus, why don't you give him some praise today? Amen and amen. Family, why don't you get on your feet with me? Stretch out a little. Give someone a high five right next to you. And tell them I'm so glad you came to church today. Thank you so much for being today. I want to remind you if you're a parent and want more info on camp, talk to me. If you want to partner with us and contribute with money, talk to me as well. It's going to be a life-changing experience for the youth. It's going to be amazing. But stay connected. Stay connected. Plugged in. If you can come after the 12 p.m. for baptism, it's going to be awesome. Help us celebrate. And let's just pray Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength. My Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, please visit us at www.lpc.is. We hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.